The following is a Thunderbolt West Media presentation. In these uncertain times, it just may be a good idea for you to learn how to generate your own power. This is the Living Off Grid Power and Information Show with Jim Calhoun. It's my opinion that we all should be prepared to lean on our faith and be able to step out on the sea. Replace fear with faith. Replace pessimism with hope. And replace despair with determination. We're going to start off by talking about how to produce your own power. In the second half of the show, we're going to talk about homeschooling. So stick around. We have a great show for you. Welcome to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I'm your host, Jim Calhoun. Today on the program, we're going to explore ways to make your own power. And I think that's very important because today's world events are unstable at best, and our power grid is unstable just by looking at the fact that it's wide open for a terrorist attack or maybe a hack on a computer. There's so many things, weather-related event like a hurricane or a blizzard, high winds, there's lots of things that can disrupt the power supply. And it's my goal to give you information and to share with you some of what I'm doing and also giving you ideas for your own situation. So if you're forced to go off grid or forced out of power for any reason, you'll have an idea of at least what you need to do. And also, if you want to get off grid to save money, this show will help you there too. It's also the goal of this program to help each and every one of my listeners. So I'm open for questions. So you can send me an email at Jim Calhoun Music, and Calhoun is C-A-L-H-O-U-N, Jim Calhoun Music at ProtonMail.com. That's Jim Calhoun Music at ProtonMail.com, and I'll be happy to help you in any way that I can. I'm just one man, and I'm just an average guy, just like you are, and I just happen to be living off-grid. And so my expertise comes from actual living off-grid and experience in it firsthand. I know there's people out there that know more than I do as far as lots of things living off-grid. There's people that have been off-grid for years and years and years. I've been off-grid for about 10 years. I've learned an awful lot. But I'm also willing to listen to anybody that has a correction that they want to give me. If I'm steering someone not quite right, I want to know about it because I want to give great information here. I want everyone to be blessed by this show. And also, if you have experiences you would like to share or ideas, you can bounce them off me. So you don't have to just contact me with problems. You can contact me with progress reports and maybe let me know how you're living off-grid and the things that you're doing. 
because together as a group, we're a lot stronger than just us as individuals out here. And I want to share my information with you, and I hope that you feel like you can share your information with me. Your off-grid experiences don't have to be limited to creating your own power. I'm talking about people who know how to forage and how to store their own food and build shelters and anything that has to do with survival or off-grid living. Please let me know how you're handling it. We the people, the common people, need to help each other out. Now let's get into producing your own power. There's lots of ways to produce your own power, but I'm going to just talk about the main, most common ones, and that would be hydro with water, wind energy with wind turbines, and also solar with the solar panels. Now me personally, I do the solar panels. That doesn't mean that I don't like the others also. It's just my situation. Solar works really good. I'd like to incorporate kind of a hybrid system and run with wind power at night when the sun is down. I have not quite figured out how I want to do that yet and how much money I want to spend. But if I do that, I will keep my listeners updated on my progress and also the results of how successful I am. Let's start this off by talking about hydropower. I think hydroelectric power is probably the best of all three if you have the right kind of a power source as far as a river or a dam that has a spillway or something that gives the water some power and gives it some volume and gives it some push and some torque. If you have the ability to do that, and if you're within reason close to the river or the water source, then I think that going hydro is the way to go. The only drawback that I can see is maybe moss or obstructions that you have to clear away from your turbine. And if you put a screen around to screen away debris, you'll have to clean that off or else it'll end up lowering your volume of water. Therefore, you won't have quite the pressure you need. And also in the wintertime, if you live in a climate where the water will freeze over, that could be a problem too. But if you're in fast running water, fast running water generally doesn't freeze. And so there's lots of ways you can do hydro. And the best thing about hydro is it's 24-7. As long as you have a river that won't dry up, if it's a river that's been flowing for years and years, and if you have really a nice downflow of the water where it's really rushing through, that's the way to go. It'll be the least worrisome because you'll always have power. It's clean. It's quiet. And it's easy to work on. Look at your situation. And if you're two or 300 yards from your water source, then it starts getting a little bit tricky because of the wire that you have to use to run the power from where you're producing it. Or if you have like your battery banks, if you're charging a battery with your hydro, you have to run it long distance. You're going to have lots of loss, lots of power loss, lots of resistance in the wire. So you're going to have to use really heavy gauges of wire, which is expensive. And so I would say hydro is limited to those that are pretty close to their source of power. And the source of power, of course, I'm meaning the water. So if you live on the water, that works good. Now, I know they're experimenting with all sorts of power generation in the ocean. And I don't know much about that, so I'm not going to touch on that. But I do know that the hydroelectric plants and the small little hydro plants that people build for themselves that I've seen online just look like they work awesome and the people are really happy with them. Again, I think I would go with hydro if you can. Now, my second choice is solar. 
Now, I know the wind blows at night and it blows during the day. There are parts of the world where it gets still and it doesn't blow for several days. But that's not really that common, especially if you live in a really windy area. An area that's known for its wind will almost always give you the constant power you need or close to constant to where your power will stay on more than off most of the time. The big drawback with wind turbines is the maintenance and the cost. Towers can be tricky, and if something fails, you're liable to have quite a train wreck. I've seen the motors come apart and uh, seen the propellers fly off. And if you're in an area that has tornadoes or high winds, you have lots of issues and zoning requirements. There's lots of places don't want to tower up. So wind is limited. My second choice is solar. It depends on where you live. If you live in a cloudy area, like if you're listening in the UK where lots of storms blow in off the North Atlantic and you have cloud cover all the time, Solar is going to work, but not very well for you. You'll probably be better with wind, because if you live like in Scotland, you're going to catch a lot of wind. And so it matters your location, just like the hydro matters how close you are to your river or your water source. You also have to consider location when you're talking solar. There's maps that you can find on the internet that show the premium regions of the world where solar power will work the best. Now, in the United States of America, Arizona, Colorado, Utah, New Mexico, those are probably the best. If you get up to Washington State around Seattle, not so good. You get up in the Great Lakes, especially in upstate New York, where they have the lake effect snows, you'll probably have your solar panels buried most of the winter. You have to be constantly out there cleaning them off. And so there's considerations you have to make. That's the beauty of living off-grid is that you have the power to choose what's best for you. But with solar, in my region, which is western Nebraska, close enough to the Colorado hot belt as far as having the good sunlight, that we're only one or two clicks off of Colorado as far as being a premium place. If Arizona's an A and Colorado's an A, Nebraska's a B as far as the viability. So it's still very viable for me. And if you get into eastern Nebraska, it gets a little bit less viable because there's more humidity and more clouds. And it's all about weather patterns that come off the Rocky Mountains for me. And so you, if you know your topography and you know your region, that's something that's going to help you a lot. In a future show, we're going to talk all about the wind turbines. I don't know enough about wind turbines right now to give you a great feel for it. I know that wind turbines have been around for generations and that they work very well, but I don't have enough expertise to guide you the way I want to guide you. So I'm going to do some studying. I'm going to talk to some people that are on wind power, and I'm going to get the right scoop to give you the right information. So we're going to talk about solar because that's what I do. I'm going to tell you about what I use. Well, first of all, in any of these you want to have a pure sine wave inverter. If you're going off a battery converting your DC back to AC, you can use a square wave, but the square wave inverters are going to hurt your appliances. They're going to mess with your light bulbs and make them flicker. They're okay. They will work in a pinch in an emergency. Square wave is fine, but on long term, 
Absolutely not. Because you'll be replacing your radios, your refrigerator, your televisions. Everything eventually will die because of the square wave. And also, you don't get a good clean audio out of it. You get a hum or a buzz that's annoying. So, if you have to buy a cheap inverter and it happens to be square wave, just know that every time you use it, you're putting your appliances at risk. And so I'd never use a computer on a square wave. I never would do that. Anything that's touchy or anything that's expensive, keep it away from square wave. What you want is pure sine wave that provides nice, smooth power. Now, the square wave is a ragged power. It's harsh. That's why it's hard on your appliances. So, as you can tell, I'm using pure sine wave. And this show is totally recorded, edited, uploaded, everything off solar power, off of my pure sine wave. And so you can hear how nice and clean it is. I don't have any issues because it's really a good, clean power. I'm going to start with the solar panels. The solar panels that I use were manufactured by a company called Canadian Solar. And I like them a lot. They're really decent. They're 300-watt panels, and I have eight of them. And the model is CS, is in Charlie Sam, 6K-300MS, is in Mary Sam. CS6K-300MS. They're 300-watt. They're about the size of a door, roughly, maybe a little wider, but about the same height as a door. And you want to put them in sets. You'd want to use two at minimum. You could probably use one, but it wouldn't, wouldn't be very effective. I use eight. I'd like to have 16. If I had 16 and had more batteries, then I would never run out of power. And that's my goal. It's just finances right now are keeping me to eight panels. And I have four panels wired in series. And then I take the two sets of four and I run them in parallel into my controller. And I'm running 24 volt. And my controller takes the energy that's being collected by the solar panels and it turns it into DC. Now, I'm running 24 volt, so my controller is set as a 24 volt controller. And there's several different models from this company, but the company makes a product called Midnight Classic which is an absolute wonderful controller. And you have to research how many panels that you have. You don't want to have a mismatch between your controller and your solar panels. And so it's very important that you find out what each model is for, what they're designed to do. And the Midnight Classic is a wonderful design. It's an Art Deco thing. It really looks cool on your wall. It's very efficient. It's high-tech. It's got every feature that you could possibly need. Now, I'm not endorsing any of these products. I'm just telling you if I like them. And the solar panels from Canadian Solar, yes, I love them. The Midnight Classic controller, yes, I love it. That doesn't mean that I'm telling you to go buy them. I'm just telling you that that's my experience. Now, we have to turn this DC power into AC. Then the unit that I chose is a Schneider Electric unit made by Schneider Electric. It's a Connext, C-O-N-E-X-T, S-W. And it gives you two legs of 110. And it's good, clean power. It's heavy duty. It's pretty much an industrial unit. And I use it for table saws and pumping water from a deep well and all sorts of heavy duty things. I have not run 220 off of it, even though I can. I can make my legs into a 220. I've opted to go 
two different 110 legs right from the unit. That's just a personal choice. But I highly recommend that you look up this Connext SW because it's pretty special. I like it a lot. The heart and soul of your system is going to be your battery bank. I use 12 batteries, and they're 24 volt, but these batteries are 12 volt. And how you make a 24 volt battery is you take two 12 volt batteries, you take the positive off of one battery, hook it to the negative on the other, and then you use the remaining positive and negative terminals that are not being used as you would a regular positive and negative terminal off of a 12-volt battery or 6-volt battery. What you're doing is you're combining two batteries and making one. And so I made all of my 12-volt batteries, put them in pairs, and so I have 12 batteries, which gives me in pairs six 24-volt batteries. I run them parallel after they become 24-volt batteries. I highly recommend that if you're not good at electronics, or if you don't understand what I'm talking about, you may want to do some more studying and research and get yourself up to speed on this because you don't want to be guessing on anything electrical. It's dangerous, not only to your equipment, but to you. So I highly recommend you get some training. And what would be really great is if you had a neighbor or someone in your community that is living off-grid and people that are producing their own power with the source that you want to use. And so you go visit them for an afternoon And watch what they do and let them explain their whole outfit to you. They'll give you the ins and outs. And that way, before you go buy anything, you'll already have a good idea of exactly what you want. It's good to find someone who's successful off-grid and just imitate what they're doing. Because there's no need to reinvent the wheel. Because they're already successfully living off-grid. I'm going to get back to my batteries. The company's called Crown. And they're deep cycle batteries. And they have a feature called a Pro-I, which lets you check your water level in your battery. And yes, these batteries do have to be maintained from time to time, and you have to add water. I'm not going to say high-maintenance batteries, but they are not maintenance-free. The model number is a CRs in Charles Russell-185, and I really like these batteries. And people ask, can I use car batteries? And the answer is yes. But the second question should be, should I use car batteries? And I would say no. The reason is, is car batteries have what are called cold cranking amps. These batteries are designed to have a punch and to punch that power out when needed. The Crown Deep Cycle batteries, the ones, the CR185s, they're storage batteries. So they're cold cranking amps. I don't even know what they would be. Wouldn't be much. But what they're designed to do is to get lots of amperage. You can run 60 amps into those things and or more, and it doesn't hurt them at all. But when they deliver the power, it's nice and slow. There's no spikes. There's no punch. And that's what you want. You want just a nice, gentle in, gentle out type of a battery. Like the deep cycle marine batteries or the truck batteries, they'll work okay. But it's better if you use the correct battery for the situation. Now, if you're in an emergency situation or you want to have a backup, and you don't want to spend much money, well, a 12-volt inverter you get at a truck stop will run a small-sized refrigerator. It'll run most of your appliances, your television, so forth. Just remember that if you use it for a long time, it's probably going to end up hurting or ruining your appliance. But if you just want something that you can plug in that you're going to use for a day or two here and there, and you don't want to spend the money, then you go to a truck stop and find them on sale for 100 bucks. 
and get the ones that hook up to your car battery. Just let your car stay running and let it charge its own battery. And when you're done using any heavy electricity use, you shut your car off. Or if you have an extra couple car batteries laying around, then you could use the power off of those also. Now, I would say that the square wave and the car batteries and all this, that's a very temporary fix. Long term, not good idea. Short term, it'll work. So if we're talking emergency, if you have what's called a go bag that has like a spare radio in it, spare batteries, a cup and some food and so forth that you have to grab if you have to leave your location really quick, having one of these square wave inverters tucked in there is not a bad idea. Because then you have electricity you're carrying with you, and all you have to do is find a car, or if you're getting away in your own car, then you already have a power source to generate for your own power. So I'm not against these little square wave units, not at all. I just know they have their place. And when we're talking situations about survival, always remember that until recently, mankind has always lived without electricity. So part of being off-grid is not only creating your own power, but it's learning to live without it. There are times that your equipment's going to fail. There's going to be times where you have a wire that breaks or a connection that gets loose, or maybe the sun doesn't come out or the wind doesn't blow, or something on that type of a thing that is going to cause you to be without electricity. So instead of freaking out, you just simply start living like you have no electricity. I'm getting really good at it. Anytime I run out of electricity, I just change the method of how I operate. And if I have a something that really needs to be done, and I have to revert to hand tools and old-fashioned drills that have cranks on them and things like that, I can. It might slow me down a bit, but I think it's a great plan to learn to live without any electricity at all. And it's all a mindset. You just have to get your head straight, get your head around it, and where there's a will, there's a way. Also, you need to learn how to illuminate your home with candles, lamps, and that kind of thing. There's always a way that you can live a nice lifestyle without electricity. I'm going to wrap up this segment on producing your own power by giving you a very strong recommendation. You can save money if you go to places like eBay and so forth online and buy your equipment. That's undeniable. But you don't get any service. And if you have a problem or a question, you're just stuck. So I highly recommend that you do some research and find a person in your area or as close to you as possible that is reputable, that is helpful, that knows all about installation, that really knows their product, and buy from that person. You might spend an extra couple dollars here and there, but you're also buying this person's expertise and you're buying their loyalty and you're buying their service. I can't stress this enough, that you need to find the right person to deal with, and deal only with that person, because this person will know your system because they sold it to you. They'll know exactly what your needs are. They'll know exactly what you're doing. And if you have an issue, they'll know exactly how to solve it. And I think one of the biggest problems people get into with something new, if they've never generated their own power, is they think that they could learn on the fly and they go spend money on some pretty expensive equipment. They don't hook it up right or they're not using it to its maximum capacity or their efficiency is really low, that they're really mismatched with how they're doing it or they're mismatching equipment that really shouldn't be used together. And that 
will cause you to get sour on living off-grid if nothing works. So again, I highly recommend you find a reputable company and buy from these people and do business with them and support them. And in turn, they'll support you. Thunderbolt West Media. The Living Off Grid Power and Information Show comes to you from the Harmony Barn Studio near North Platte, Nebraska. We're right along the Mormon Trail on the banks of the North Platte River. And my email address is Jim Calhoun Music, all one word. Calhoun is C A L H O U N. Jim Calhoun Music at protonmail.com. This is the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show with Jim Calhoun. If you enjoy the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show, I would ask that you consider donating to the show to help cover expenses because we don't get paid here. This is all done by donations and We do not take anything online as far as PayPal or any of that because of all the censorship. Not that they have shut us off. It's just I'm not going to give them the opportunity. So we're going to do it the old-fashioned way by mail, check, money order, or if you want to put cash in a secure envelope, we would appreciate any donation, any size. Just send all your correspondence to Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143. That's Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143, and your support is greatly appreciated. The second half of this show is going to be about something that's very near and dear to me, and that's homeschooling. Because I truly feel that even though homeschooling can be tough and challenging, it's well worth the sacrifice because you're going to end up with young adults that are well-rounded, that respect you, and you'll have a better relationship with your children all through life. I know a lot of people would say, I'm not qualified to teach my children. Really? Who taught them how to eat? Who taught them how to talk? Who taught them how to walk? Who potty trained them? Who taught them how to read their first words? You did. So, of course, you're their teacher. So, why would you put in these several years of very hard work and then turn this beautiful little child 
over to a system that is just set to indoctrinate them. Now, we all have to realize that not all teachers are bad, and I'm not condemning all teachers. But there's a lot of bad ones out there, and who knows if your child is going to be in a classroom with one of these bad teachers. Are you willing to take that chance? I'm not. I think that my children are way too important to just hand them over to people that they're not working for you. They're working for the school board or the school district. And in a way, some of these teachers do love their children, but not like you do. And there are mandates that are placed in front of teachers by the teachers' unions, by the school boards, by the administration, by the federal law, state law. There are things that teachers are either required to teach or they're highly encouraged to teach. And if they adopt a curriculum that you don't agree with, well, guess what? Just because you don't agree with it doesn't make any difference. That's what they're teaching. So I highly recommend you homeschool. I homeschooled two children through high school. And it was tough. There were times that I felt like I wasn't doing a very good job. And there were times my children really made me proud when I saw how much they were learning and how well-rounded they became. So I'm not an expert homeschooler, but I'm a veteran homeschooler. And I can answer questions about homeschooling. And again, if you have any questions about homeschooling, please send me an email, Music at protonmail.com. And I'll be happy to answer any question that I can. And if I can't answer it, I'll be honest with you and tell you that's over my head. There are things that I don't know, both in producing power and in teaching children. But I've done both, and I've done both successfully. So I'd have to have something in there that is helpful to most everybody. Now, when it comes to homeschooling, one of the first things you're going to hear from the naysayers is, what makes you think you're qualified to teach your children? Well, first of all, you love your children more than anyone on the planet. And if that isn't qualification enough for anybody, well, then they're not your friend. And also you're going to hear, what about socialization? Well, I'm going to tell you something about socialization. I'm going to use an analogy. If you have a bucket of pure water, let's say it's a gallon-sized bucket, and you put one eyedropper full of pure water into this bucket, you're still going to have a bucket of pure water. But if you put a drop from an eyedropper of contaminated water into this bucket of pure water, then all the water is contaminated. What I'm trying to say is, it's real easy for your children to become lost, corrupted, misled, indoctrinated, brainwashed. It's real easy for that to happen. But if you control the curriculum and the hours of study and the length of each school year, everything is up to you. And with you in control, loving your children, then beautiful things can happen. You'll hear stories about the people that say they homeschool, that they just let their kids run. Yes, that does happen. I haven't seen it very often. I have seen it, but not very often. More often than that, you see kids that are in 8th grade or ninth grade that can converse with someone in college straight across. The, the knowledge level is about the same. Just because this child was schooled to their utmost potential... And they're not just 
held back by the lowest common denominator in, e- in each class. So, there's something to be said by learning at your own pace. Every child learns at a different pace. So, to, to put 20 or more kids in a classroom and expect them to go the same pace, that's not realistic and it's not natural. And also, in these schools, you don't know if the teachers are Antifa, as we've seen. We don't know if they're just pushing a gay rights agenda or whether all they care about is sports, they care about their athletes and no one else, on and on and on. Or someone's just downright communist that hates America that tells your children that you're stupid because you love your country. So they tell the children that the parents are stupid. And that starts division in the home. And America and the world is suffering because of divisions in the home. And the best way, the most surefire way, if you have school-aged children, is to homeschool. There's millions of people that homeschool. And I'm, I'm going to get back on the socialization. What The analogy with the buckets, with the pure water and the contaminated water, is very simple. But there is good socialization and bad socialization. And just because you homeschool doesn't mean that your child is at home and you're at home and you never leave and you never do anything. Every day could be a field trip. A trip to the grocery store can teach nutrition, can teach economics, looking at labels. There's so many things that you do on a day-by-day basis that can be turned into a classroom. And also, there's lots of kids out there homeschooling, and they want to have contact with other homeschoolers. So you can schedule play dates, or you can put together a soccer team or baseball team or basketball or whatever, of homeschool children. And you can have a team and have a homeschool league. I've seen that. You can have homeschool support groups, homeschool science fairs, homeschool track meets. The whole thing is is very doable. And in the end, you have children who are with other children that they are whole and they haven't been brainwashed. And your children is still whole and hasn't been brainwashed. And it's a wonderful thing when Young minds get together that are not polluted. Magical things happen. And it's wonderful. And so I'd highly recommend that if you have your children in public school, at least attend every parent-teacher's conference. At least watch your kids learn and read their textbook, read the notes from the teacher, and go to the school board meetings. Plug in. Do not let your children just be at the school by themselves Who knows what is at that school? Again, good teachers, I'm sorry if I sound offensive to you. I'm not trying to be. But I'm at a level with you teachers out there, and I'm talking to the good ones. Your profession right now is being tarnished. And I think most of you know this. But every time a teacher is indoctrinating children into communism or being an atheist or anti-Americanism of any sort, or they're turning them into radicals, or the they're trying to recruit them for a gay lifestyle, or they're telling the children that they're a different sex than what they really are, and they're confusing them. You know that teachers are doing that. But we do too. We the people know this. So 20 years ago, or 30 years ago, if someone was if you were talking to someone and you said, what do you do for a living? They said, I'm a teacher. You'd automatically respect that person. That's how it was. That was in the real America. 
Teaching was a respectable, honorable profession, and everybody looked up to it. But now, if you get into conversation with someone, say, what do you do? And they say, I'm a teacher. There's always this thought in the back of your head. Oh, what do you teach? How do you teach? Do you indoctrinate? Are you a brainwasher? What are you teaching my children? What are you teaching the children in my community? There is a suspicion there. There's a distrust there. And there's getting to be a very strong dislike. Now, you may think that I'm being overboard here. I'm not. So, good teachers, if you want to save your profession, you're going to have to start speaking out against the things that you're seeing in the classroom that you know in your heart are wrong. Because, let's face it, a lot of children in public school have no advocate. Their parents are unplugged. They, they got their nose in Facebook, or they're too busy with sports, or they're too busy with drugs, alcohol, addictions of all sorts. They watch sports. They're too busy for their kids. They're busy with their job. Whatever the reason, there's lots of kids that have no advocate in school. And that's really, really sad. Now, those people that I just talked about that are neglecting their kids don't need to homeschool. They're the ones that won't homeschool. I'm talking about responsible parents that love their children. They're the ones that need to homeschool. But you teachers out there, you need to stand up as a group, you good teachers. Stand up as a group, and you can make a difference not only to the children in your classroom, but children throughout the world if you just make a stand. And bring your profession back to being very respectable and honorable. That's what I'm going to charge you guys with. Because I know you're out there and I know you care about the kids and I know that's why you teach. And I imagine your children in your classroom are trained right. But I got to ask you, when you graduate them to the next grade, what happens? Does that next teacher fly in an Antifa flag or a gay pride flag? and pledging allegiance to that and telling the kids there is no God? That happens. That's why homeschooling is the sure thing. And also to you good teachers, honestly, please consider private schools need good teachers. Private school teachers make pretty good money if you get in the right private school. Or start your own school. I know there's several educators out there that have been fed up with the public school system, but their passion and their life's calling is teaching children, that they've started private schools, and the demand is just overwhelming, and they fill up their classroom just almost immediately. They're in charge of the whole curriculum and everything that they do. So you might want to consider starting your own school. The good ones out there, we need good teachers, and there's people that can't homeschool. And so good teachers have to unite, and we'll stand behind those good teachers. So bless you, good teachers, but if you're not one of those good teachers, well, shame on you. That's all I can say. When you consider homeschooling, you have to consider curriculum. Well, as I said earlier, every life experience can be a teaching moment, everything doesn't matter. If you're watching a commercial on TV, you can talk about the product. You can break it down. You can talk about how the announcer was. Uh, were they upbeat? Were they downbeat? Just anything. Kids are like sponges, and they'll soak it right up. And so you have to be good at seizing every moment. There are times your kids will be sick of being taught all the time. They'll tell you, hey, you know, let's, let's lighten up a little bit because, you know, you're constantly teaching me. That doesn't happen very often, but if it does, you back off for a little bit, and then then you resume. 
Just never give up. That's the best thing. But if you have to back off for a day or two, so be it. Now, I'm going to get into curriculum. I used what I called an eclectic group of curriculum. There's a company called Abeka, A-B-E-K-A, and the Abeka products are really intense. They get deep into each subject, and they're hard. They're not easy. So if you have a very bright child that wants to be challenged, Abeka, you need to look at it. Some kids, it's too challenging for them. Others, they eat it up. You know your own children, and you'll know their learning habits. I'd strongly have you look at a Becca. And there's others out there that are just as good that aren't quite as intense. Now, when I say intense, I'm meaning that to progress you to other levels really fast. Some of them do it real slow in plotting. A Becca fast tracks it. So just do a web search on homeschool curriculum, and you'll be amazed at how many companies are out there. Now, as I said, I used what I called eclectic group of books. And me personally, I thought that public schools started kind of going downhill in the early 60s. And so anything that didn't require something to be topical and current, like mathematics, one plus one has always been two. So subjects that are timeless, like math, it doesn't matter really how old the book is. I ended up using books from the 1895 up to about 1940 on my mathematics. If you want to go with the higher forms of math, like trigonometry and things, you can get some newer books. We used a book called Mental Math that did your basic addition, subtraction, division, and multiplication, plus fractions, but it taught you how to do it in your head which I thought was a great concept, and it worked really well. And we used the McGuffey Readers, and they're timeless, and we used Aesop's Fables, again, timeless, that we incorporated into our school. Of course, always use the Bible. The Bible is a great teaching tool, and so don't discount the Bible. You don't have to turn your school into a Bible school. If you instruct your children with the Bible, you're going to have a more well-rounded child. Because there's food for the mind in the Bible. There's food for the soul in the Bible. And if you have the child's mind and soul healthy, then you have a child that is well on the road to staying healthy their whole life. So I'd highly recommend you use the Bible. Now with science and things like that, you have to use books that are current enough that they teach real science but don't indoctrinate. You don't use the books that they're all about proving that your child, because they exist, is ruining the planet. Stay away from books that are that are more political science than real science. That's the big issue with the modern curriculum, that no matter what it is, it's very heavy in political science. And for some reason, it's all from the left. And if you question something, like in science, if you question climate change, well, you're a horrible person, you're stupid, you're ruining the planet, you're every name they can think of. But isn't the nature of science questioning things and getting to the bottom to it? And isn't real science something that you can prove? Isn't real science something that you can come up with a theory, then prove your theory, and then prove it again, and prove it again, and make it settled science? Right now... They're being taught science by consensus. 
95% believe this, so it has to be right. Well, wait a minute. 95%? Can't you prove it? It doesn't matter what you believe. Science isn't a belief system. And if you can't prove it, it's a theory. And if it's a theory, you can't teach it as fact. Because the word fact and the word theory are two different words that mean two different things. And the modern science books teach theory as fact. So you have to be really careful with science. But I think science is essential. So make sure you get a great science book. Abeka is great for science. And kids always have evolution pushed on them. Now, personally, I can come up with many reasons why evolution can't even be possible, but a lot of kids have already been indoctrinated to it. So you have to introduce creationism. And if you don't believe in creationism and it's your home school, don't teach that. See, that's the beauty of home school. You teach what you want to teach. Now, for an example, with me, if I was a school teacher in a public school, and let's say that my my favorite food in the world was steak. I loved beef steak. And I had a child come to class and their family were all vegetarians. And little Johnny comes to class. He's 10 years old. And so I say, well, Johnny, what, what does your family like to eat? He says, we only eat vegetables and we don't eat any meat. I wouldn't say, well, what's wrong with your family? You got to eat. Haven't you tried beef? Gosh, it's great. You don't know what you're missing. And undermine that family? Would you do that? I wouldn't. I would say that's great. Now, I'm not a vegetarian. I have nothing wrong with it. And I'm certainly not going to take another child from another belief system and try to put my belief system on that child and undermine that family. And that's the problem with public school is you send a child with a belief system that you've instilled with them. And the public school as a whole tries to take your belief system and replace it with their belief system. And that's just wrong. The sanctity of the home is being violated. And homeschooling is the best way to instill the values in your child and keep those values there for their entire life. So if you truly love your children, please consider homeschooling. If you can't homeschool, consider a private tutor or a private school. And if you have to do the public school, do it with both eyes wide open. Don't take anything for granted. So there's lots of resources out there. There's lots of textbooks. There's lots of good ways to homeschool. And the beauty of homeschooling is that you can use anything of value Magazines, newspapers, current events, anything can be used to help teach your children. And one of the classes that we had that I liked the best is I called it thinking class, where I was just teaching my children how to use their own brain to think out things for themselves. So we'd think of little situations and I'd have them think it through. And I think that really worked really well. But anything could be made into a class. Anything can be made into a subject. And you don't just have to teach the basic things that are taught in public schools. Because let's face it, all of us have learned more since we left public school than we ever learned in public school, if you've lived any kind of life at all. So the street smarts and the everyday living smarts and all of that really does matter. 
And if you teach your child how to balance a checkbook or how to write a business letter, how to make a resume, to where it's just second nature to them, then they're going to get a leg up in the world and they're not going to be peer addicted. They'll be able to talk to anyone of any age and have an intelligent conversation. It's wonderful to have your children to be well-rounded. Even as young children, they can be very well-rounded. And this whole peer addiction thing is a problem. Well, I'm starting to run out of time for this show, and I hope that this show has given you hope and given you some ideas. I want this show to give you hope because we're living in a very crazy world that is trying to steal our hope, trying to steal everything from us that makes us who we are. doesn't matter what country you're from. You're being attacked right now. So it's time to take a step back Tell these tyrants no, and start living your life the way you're meant to live it. And I'm going to do my best to help support you in your effort to do that. It seems to me that the world is full of chaos, and frankly, what we call leaders they're either morons or they're satanic or they're satanic morons. I don't know. There's there's some really bad leadership or really bad decisions made at leadership levels all over the world. And very few of these decisions have your best interest in mind. I'm going to start with Governor Cuomo in New York. He has got away scot-free with putting sick, infected people into nursing homes that had very feeble people in those nursing homes. Everybody knows that if you put sick people, younger sick people, in with older feeble people, the older feeble people are going to die. That's common sense. And see, there's no common sense in our leadership. And if you're listening to this program and you live in New York, ask yourself, does a governor that will actively kill your grandparents, or kill your parents, or kill you if you're one of the older people, if they're willing to do that, do they have any of your best interests at heart? You know, you can answer that one yourself. And if you answer yes, they do, well, then, you know, I can't help you any. But we have to trust something. We have to trust somebody. We can't just be out here untrusting of everything. So I would say trust in God, trust in Jesus, and seek out people that are like-minded. And the remnant needs to come together. We need to come together as brothers and sisters, and we need to stand in the gap for each other as much as we can. And if you think that we can't lose the power, if you think that if you think there's no way that we're going to go off grid, if you think there's no way they're going to allow the internet to be shut off, or if you think there's no way they're going to ban you or they're going to censor you, if you think there's no way they're going to keep you from being in a grocery store buying food, well, think again. They've already got plans on how to do these things. And in some countries, they're even building internment camps for people that they want to retrain or re-educate. And that's kind of right out of... Right out of... uh, the pits of hell, as far as I'm concerned. I think that we need to find who we can trust and have them 
Like Ronald Reagan said, trust but verify. Don't just blindly trust things that people hear. And if I say something that you don't quite align with, well, research it out. And if I'm wrong, tell me, because I do not want to mislead anybody on this program. I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to be part of a solution. And we all have a little bit of something that's the part of the solution. That's the beauty of how God has created the world and and mankind and given us the ability to have the thought process that we can have if we just use it. We all have the answers. Maybe not one of us has all of the answers, but as a group, we have the answers. So I think we need to find believers, true believers. Christians need to come together and we need to talk. And if they, they meaning the authorities, say you can't get together because of lockdown, well, meet in somebody's house. You know, back years ago, the early Christians, they had to meet in the sewers and in the catacombs, and a lot of them lost their lives because they did that. So don't tell me that uh, that you're scared of the local police is going to come over and give you a ticket if, if you have three people in your house. You know, you're going to have to get over that. You're going to have to have your moment to step out on the sea and have faith. And that faith will be rewarded. I know as a group of Christians, I know that we're strong enough. And I know we have the ultimate power of the universe. We have God. We have Jesus. And as the Bible says, who can come against us? Those who come against us will not prosper. So we have to lean on what we know, what the Word has told us. And I have a feeling that some of the passages in the Bible are really meant for us today. Maybe they've been meaningful for other generations and other time periods and other situations. But some of them seem to speak to me like they were written for this time period now. We all have part of the solution. All, each one of us, we all have to start contributing. If you find value in this show, I ask that you consider donating to this show. You can send a check, a money order, or cash in a secure envelope. I don't take PayPal, don't take plastic. But I would really appreciate you considering that. This show is brought to you entirely by donations from people like you. This show is not about me getting rich, because that's not going to happen. But to help pay for producing the show would really help. And you would write your checks to Thunderbolt West Media, Thunderbolt West Media. And you would send that to Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143. So again, send your donation and your support to Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143. I really appreciate all of my listeners. Thanks for listening. And I'm going to be growing this show. We're looking at shortwave. We're looking at terrestrial radio. And we're looking at the next level to take this to a daily show if we can. Right now, I have prior commitments. It's really hard for me to do a weekly show. But I'm almost through with those prior commitments. And once that happens, then the weekly show is going to be pretty easy to do. 
then I'm going to turn it into three times a week and then five days a week. And like I say, I'm looking at several shortwave stations. I'm looking at lots of options right now. So keep me in your prayers. And with that, I'm going to say, be safe, be well. Remember, replace fear with faith. And until next time, this is Jim Calhoun with the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. Thank you for listening to Thunderbolt West Media.